Let me just position my large head right in front of it and turn the lens off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is the wrong headset. That's... Too many headsets. <laughs> I'm not cool. <laughs> oh my god, dude. <laughs> okay. Okay, just crushing this Thursday, everyone. Out of my way. Oh no. There's our cold open. That was... <laughs> I'm recording, so we Good. got it. Good. Would it be so bad if an 84-year-old got into heroin? Welcome to the Cat Organizational Podcast. You idiot. It's written down in front of you, you idiot. This is like the buffalo chicken wrap of answers. I haven't heard about hot orcs in a while. We were so horny for motion controls in 2005. I can't wait to come back and tell you how it was Noah's Ark, you asshole. I would also like to retroactively say I've never had cotton candy acid. So Andrew's 100% doing a voice, right? Everybody get off IMDb now. Time to record. This episode and probably this whole this whole podcast is a mistake. All right, let's do let's do them podcasts. Got a got a Nintendo sale to. to yeah, booze. come on, hurry up! I got my yeah. blasphemous. <laughs> I got a fucking Overwatch to play. Let's do a podcast. Well, are we playing Overwatch tonight? I'll play Overwatch tonight. I'll Three, play, two, one. Yeah, let's do Todd, it. We're gonna play some Overwatch. Uh, hello a- and welcome to Debate <laughs> This, the show where no one is right, but someone is definitely wrong. I didn't have time to say no. In this show, we talk about comic books, video games, and how now that the U.S. is officially in a recession, I trust loot boxes more than I trust my employer's 401k match. Oh, Ouch. that one stinks. At the end of the day, you don't control either of them. <laughs> Oh, everything's luck of the draw now. <laughs> I think I think the problem with now that we're in a situation where we're recording our episodes like literally a month in advance is we have no idea what a month like what the world's gonna look like when this releases. Money isn't gonna be real. We this fucking we could all be drops. ruled by like panda bears for all like who the hell knows? <laughs> like this shit could just turn into the mist of Pandaria, the World of Warcraft expansion outside, and we have no idea. Andrew, would would you say it's going to be a pandemic? Yes! Yes! <laughs> That was a bump set and a spike to my best friend Matt Cole. <laughs> Hell yeah! It doesn't it doesn't count if you bump and set your own two hits to the third spike. That's illegal. That's in how volleyball. I play volleyball at family reunions. <laughs> Shut up! Your family has never played volleyball at a family reunion. Well, I don't have family reunions, but when but if I did, that's what we would try. <laughs> when I go home, I just do this. Yeah. Thank you all for tuning in to debate this, which is now apparently a beach volleyball podcast. okay so every few weeks we like to take a break from debating and venture down a path of civility in today's debate this sidebar we're going to take a look at our own personal game catalogs and talk about some games that we think only we have played whomst among us hasn't spent 99 cents on a bargain bin game just because the cover looked cool or bought a cardboard box of vidya games from some nice old lady at a garage sale If you've considered yourself a hashtag gamer for more than a few years, you've certainly stumbled across at least a few games that have made you say, does anyone else know this exists? (laughs) Today I am joined by Kyle Swapfire Harper, Todd Chicken Shoot Thomas, and Andrew Cyber Tiger Henderson to talk about some of our deep cut favorites. I was selected as most likely to talk about some bullshit game that doesn't actually exist four out of every five episodes. So they're making me moderate this journey. So dudes, let's go ahead and jump in. I, Matt, you, you really gave yourself a test there by uh, putting yeah. Todd Chicken Shoot Thomas in there. That was tricky. Yeah. You're playing yeah. expert mode. Um, Matt, you 
I just want to be clear. You made your own bed when on recording, not one, but three times said, oh, guys, I think I have Razor Scooter, the game. Yeah, dude. It's... Wait. Wait. Is... While Matt's looking for it, I have a question. Is Whomst Among Us, is that the Last of Us remake that's coming out on PlayStation 5? That's the that's the Last of Us um, knockoff that your grandma accidentally buys you for Christmas because it's I got $5. You it's amongst- yeah, it's the Transmorphers version of the Last of Us. It's, it's Whomst Among Us. It's played on the PlayStation. All right, guys. So I want to talk about weird, crazy video games that you feel like only you have played. So what are a few games you think only you have played? And if you could pick one of them that you would like to discuss today, I would like to hear about it. So Kyle, let's go ahead and start with you. Um, So the first game that comes to mind when I think of games that only I have played is um, Railroad Tycoon for the PlayStation 1. (laughs) <laughs> which is a garbage a garbage game trying to ride off the popularity of Roller Coaster Tycoon but I didn't play that much of it. Um so some other some other games that come to mind are um Lost Magic which is a real-time strategy game on the reg- on the original DS, a launch title that has you casting magic spells by drawing runes on the bottom screen. Um, and I, d- I won't go in- more into that one today because the rune recognition in that game is trash. Is it like the language the original Palm Pilots used? Like how uh, you probably couldn't, you couldn't write the actual <laughs> letters; you just had to make the certain squigglies. Yeah, you had to it it like tracked your squiggles, and when the enemy is just like stomping your face in, and you can't get a lightning bolt squiggle to cast a lightning bolt. Um, you end up throwing your DS across the living room. It's part of the game. <laughs> so the game I actually want to talk about today, which I'm surprised no, um, none of you have heard of, uh, because it is part of a major franchise, is the uh, Game Boy Advance game Sonic Battle. But is it part of a major franchise, though, <laughs> yeah. Kyle? I've never heard um, of that. I've heard of every Sonic game, and I've never heard of this. That's like that's like trying to corner people that... that played Mario Teaches Type and saying that is officially part of the Mario canon. Uh, Mario Teaches Type is an official Mario canon game, Todd. Okay. You bite Ma- your tongue. Mavis Beacon's going to meet you out back and fight you because it's not as good. Sonic Battle is a Super Smash Brothers style fighter for the Game Boy Advance uh, featuring everyone's favorite Sonic the Hedgehog characters. It was released in 2003 in Japan, came out in early 2004 in the US. I don't know how we came across it. I think we just, we were at Walmart. We saw Sonic and Battle and this very angry looking fireball character on the cover that is not in the game at all. And um, (laughs) my brother and I each bought a copy so we could battle each other and played it. And it's weird. It's a weird game. It looks like trash. Is it trash, Kyle? It was pretty fun. It's a short, it's, the story mode is short. It's a solid, like, if you ever find yourself with the opportunity to play it, I would recommend playing it. But the plot is Dr. Robotnik reading his, his, his ancestor, Gerald Robotnik's um, right. um, journal, discovers, right, sure. discovers this lost, this 4,000 year old super weapon. Um, called a wait for it, Jizoid. 
Um, oh no! Oh no! No no! No 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 no! Which is basically just a an advanced AI robot that learns how to beat um, beat the things it's fighting against. So it's kind of kind of like a Mazo, but in the Sonic universe. So you you play through the story mode. You take this robot ar- um, around Sonic locations. You fight other Sonic characters, and when you beat them, you get new moves that you can slot into your move slots for your robot and like customize the the attacks your robot has for this battler game and that's that's the game you beat you collect the chaos emeralds you beat dr robotnik your robot has a third act twist where like they activate the the seek and destroy mode and you have to play as sonic and put down your child before it destroys <laughs> the universe and uh, and that's the game. <laughs> did um did Sonic Team do it or was it like a was it third party like uh Sonic the Dark Chronicles or whatever that RPG was? Developed by Sonic Team, published by um Sega in Japan and THQ worldwide. Damn. I just really wanted to reference Sonic the Dark Sonic Chronicles colon the Dark Brotherhood. <laughs> <laughs> uh Kyle, two quick things. Thing number one is that someday, maybe in November, maybe in 2021, that Black Widow movie is going to come out and about a hundred debate this fans are going to look at Taskmaster and say, oh, that's just some bullshit ripoff of Amazo because we have now referenced Amazo so many <laughs> yeah. times. Yes. Uh, thing two is the last question in my, my little document here that I have typed up for prep for us is, should people play this game? Should people seek out ports or... Um, roms of sonic battle and enjoy this for themselves so if you can find a cart of it and a working game boy advance it was real fun to play on the game boy advance um i have actually since tried it in an emulator it doesn't translate super well to keyboard just because i don't play games on a keyboard super well but like i said it's a solid 15 hours i had a good time it's not gonna like blow your mind, but it's a fun game. Cool. All right. Yeah, you get to you know you you battle tails and knuckles and and uh, peaches and cream <laughs> and who else is in here? Amy Rose, Rouge the Bat. It's a fun little game. Right on. All right, Todd. Let's go over to you. Give us a couple of games you think only you have played, and what's the one you're gonna dive deeper on today? Well, I already threw out Mario Teaches Type because I legit did have that on my <laughs> grandparents' old gateway back in, like, 1995. Um, was that the same people that did Mario's Time Machine and Mario's Missing? Uh, or was that a different company? If I remember right, it looked similar, but it was very, very different interfaces. Um, I think that was back when just, like, typing was going to be the new cool thing, and they're like, yeah, we can do that. Like, yeah. you got a game? We'll, oh, we'll just throw no, it was Interplay that. of all of all. Of all the yeah. the original like Fallout One and Two creators, yeah, Interplay, wow. R.I.P. Huh. Um. So that's one to throw out. I would also throw out a couple other deep cuts. Um. There was a game on PlayStation called Monkey Hero that I played. <laughs> what? Um. Delightful. You were a monkey ninja, and it was perhaps one of the worst games I've ever played. Did it come out before? Do you know if it came out before or after Ape Escape? Was it like riding on the coattails uh, of Ape Escape? 
It was about the same time. They were both 99. So Monkey Hero had no chance. If Ape Escape was in the same calendar year, (laughs) no chance. Which I played the shit out of Ape Escape 1. I 100% I 100%ed Ape Escape 1. As far as simian simulators go. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty (laughs) high up there. I would also say, I would have said Tamba 1 and 2, but I think in the talk of this, Andrew had at least heard of it. I don't know if you played Tamba. I I played it. I didn't get very far in it, but I I did play it. It was like that weird 2.5D craze. Yeah, Uh, (laughs) it was very, very good. And then a last one I would throw out before I tell you what I actually chose. If you played it on Game Gear, Tales Adventure. It was very, very good. It was very, very hard. I feel like I did play that. There were, if I recall, there were three Game Gear exclusives, and I had the two that weren't Tales Adventure. (laughs) It was, well, Tales Adventure's big thing was you gathered items throughout, like, playing, and the items would help you continue forward. So it was one of those, like, if you got the right treasure items, you'd have an easier time going forward. Um, Super hard game. But the game I'm going to talk about today is Brave Fencer Musashi. So Brave Fencer Musashi was on PlayStation, and I'm pretty sure it's a PlayStation exclusive uh, made by Squaresoft. So that land, that lands us in 1998. Yeah. You're in my house now. Get out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and so, so Kyle and I were talking about this beforehand. The reason why a uh, few people probably knew about Brave Fencer Musashi is it came out about two months be- before Ocarina of Time did. Oh. And so well. if you were trying to breathe any air in the quarter four of 1998, you weren't going to. Because Ocarina of Time came out in December. <laughs> you know what, though, Todd? I, re- I I said I didn't know of this game. I recognize that box art, though. I feel like yeah. I've seen that like that box art must have made its way around like Cartoon Network or Nickelodeon at the time, because I definitely recognize that. So the other reason you might heard of you might have heard of this or potentially even played it was because a demo for this came on one of the demo discs that launched with the PlayStation oh, for a while. Yep, that might be it. So, so a lot of people were familiar or played it, but didn't buy it because. Eh. And so, <laughs> anyway, in Brave Fencer Musashi, it's a third-person game where you are the titular Brave Fencer Musashi, and what it is is you have been summoned to the All You Can Eat Kingdom by Princess Filet. Yeah, it's a lot of this. All you can um, eat, spelled all one word: a u a l l u c a n e e t. Yep. Um, Fantastic. Uh, serving people like Stuart Ribson and Butler Livers. <laughs> uh, but what you are what you are doing is you're actually fighting off um, the Thirst Quencher Empire, which has a bunch of doofy people like Flat Ski and Root Trick, and they all look real goofy. Um, but what you're ultimately doing in the end is you're trying to fight off the Wizard of Darkness, um, collecting these Crest Guardians, and your sword can assimilate other enemies' powers. So it's actually really, really cool that like you fight an enemy, you throw your sword into them, and now you can do what they did, very like Kirby or Mega Man-esque. So one day, when the Black Widow movie comes out, everybody's going to see Taskmaster <laughs> and be like, this is a bullshit ripoff of Brave Fencer Musashi. Yeah. Yeah, um, apparently in looking up, they did a sequel on PlayStation 2, which I had no idea about. Um, so I'll kind of have to check that out. <laughs> but uh, to answer your last question, should people play it? I would vote yes. This is a game that I will probably try to find a ROM for at some point because I, uh, when I was 11 or so, enjoyed playing it a lot. Um, I watched a YouTube clip of it today and the guy complained a lot about not being able to figure out their puzzles, which I found kind of 
uh, frustrating because when I was 11, I figured out a lot of the puzzles, and apparently <laughs> I was super close. I was super close to almost beating it. So now I got to go back and, and actually do it. Yeah, dunk on that YouTube guy, Todd. Yeah, fuck and that. Then I'm gonna fuck add that one guy. You want to add him in the in the podcast? No, nah, I won't. I won't do that until I know I can go back and beat so it. So I'm. I looked up the um the wiki page because I've I've heard of this game and I I've wanted to play this game for a long time because it's 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 just niche like it's perfect that 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 era of SquareSoft where they just could do no wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've never played it myself. Um, but a couple interesting points here. So it was directed by um, Hironobu Sakaguchi, who is uh, more commonly known as like the father of Final Fantasy. So like he's, oh. he's the guy. Um, but interestingly enough, the characters were designed by none other than Tetsuya Nomura, who had just come off off the heels of designing Final Fantasy VII, and who oh, would later, nice. a few years yep. later, start developing or directing, say with me, Kingdom Hearts. Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, the one I, I thought what you were gonna do is so the main voice for Brave Fencer Musashi uh, is a woman by the name of Mona Marshall. Um, Mona Marshall might be more familiar to you as the voice of Izzy from Digimon. Oh, uh, well, which is cool. yeah. which is funny because the Japanese voice is Rika Matsumoto, who is the voice of Ash in the Japanese Pokemon anime. There we go. Uh, she is also the voice of uh, Fire Emblem Three Houses, the English version voice, um, and uh, the voice of female Khajiit, and just other really. We- she's a very <laughs> popular voice actress, is what I'm saying. Huh. She is she is credited with additional voices in the Emoji movie. Okay. Oh, good. What a credit. <laughs> top top of the list. I think we're I think we're done with trivia. The trivia yeah, portion okay. is over. <laughs> Do we have more? No. Not not ex- not exciting trivia. Andrew, will you be nah. including this game in your um, fifteen plus hour flavor text? Oh, on Final fuck! Fantasy? How much time do you have? We could we could do the final. I mean, well, okay, let's Not talk about enough. this, right? So we could do all of Final Fantasy, or we could do the Final Fantasy universe, which also includes all of the Gaiden games, like Crystal Chronicles and Chocobo's Dungeon. All right, I regret it. I'm in addition, sorry I brought it up. In addition yeah, to 1997, no, no. Which is a fighter. Oh, fuck. I've played Urgeist and yeah. I really like Urgeist. Urgeist is a really good game. Um, it also. Don't in- feed him. <laughs> it also includes. <laughs> you got to throw course. a blanket on this fire. You're our stronghold against <laughs> Andrew's bullshit. You're the North Star. <laughs> Guys, there's so much good content we could do. All right. Well, speaking of good content, Andrew, what are some games that you have been the only one to play? I, the syntax setup. of that sentence was a not mess, including but. all 30 games of the extended Final Fantasy universe. Um, I have. OK, so I was racking my brain trying to find um, trying to think of a go in to bring up. And I, I had a couple. Um, there's there's one in particular from my my the, the late days of PS2 where like I was 16, 17. I had a job. I had nothing to spend money on. So I got real into bargain bin hunting. Mm. And I, I. Yeah. Yep. And, and uh, I just I had so much garbage PS2 games <laughs> that I would just like find for five dollars. Um, a couple hidden gems. I remember find, finding Dead or Alive, the original, like the original, or Dead or Alive Two, I think, for four bucks. Beach volleyball, not beach volleyball. Before beach volleyball, oh, wait, just the what? fighting game. Oh, okay. Um, the the original <laughs> fighting game for PS2 was like four bucks, which I it's like not a bad game. Not the best fighter, no, it's, but it's um, okay. Another game that I found was called Magic Pengle: The Quest for Color. <laughs> Is it about a penguin? Is it, a penguin involved? There is a, no penguin is no. is uh, is referring to the magic like uh, uh, crayon that you get. It's it's basically an RPG version of Scribble Knots. Oh, weird. Yeah. Oh. Hmm. 
It's okay. yeah. So it's a it's a Pokemon clone, um, and you just draw like a doodle, and but it's a very watered down. It's not a very good game, which is why I don't want to get much. There's not much more to say about it. It's it's basically a stripped down Pokemon where you draw doodles, but um, the battling is not like as complicated as Pokemon. There are no types. It's literally just attack, magic, and defend, and it's rock paper scissors. Hmm. So you play rock paper scissors with a bunch of doodles. Um, there's a reason why it was $5 retail. It was, it was a $5 <laughs> game. So the game that I do want to talk about is a little more, I, I do think some people have heard of it, maybe not you guys. Um, it's called Mischief Makers, and it was it was uh, released for the Nintendo 64. It's, if I remember correctly, kind of an older era N64 game. So I, I mentioned the, uh, the 2.5D craze, which was uh, definitely around in the early, like when PlayStation before PlayStation figured out, like everything that came before Mario 64, basically before PlayStation figured out how to do 3d. um, This was before crash bandicoot. There were like Tomba is a great example of these games where Mm -hmm. you would have like a computer rendered image. It's like donkey Kong's country, um, but you would have it on a flat background and maybe like the, you would, you would see like if you'd run, run to the end of the level, the corners would flip and then it would be like, yeah. you know, I forgot to mention it when I was talking about Sonic battle. That's a weird thing about Sonic battle is oh, that okay. it's like a 3d arena you fight in, mm-hmm. but it's 2d sprites Ugh. moving around. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. That's yeah no watching the things watching Sonic battle feels bad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was going to say Kirby 64 is a, is a much better inter- integration yep. of 2.5 D. Like, I think yeah. that's one of the better examples. Like, like Yoshi's story. Yeah. Yeah. Yoshi's story. Great example. Mm. That's that also the, the later N 64 games where they figured it out. This was not this. <laughs> uh, so, so a, a company by the name of treasure who um, were not huge, but, but popular within a very particular crowd, uh, Treasure Treasure was most most notably um, a Sega uh, producer, Sega developer. Um, their most famous game was Gunstar Heroes, which you may have heard of. Um, that which was rings a, Sega a bell. Game. Mm-hmm. Heard of it? Mm-hmm. Um, they do. They did a lot of like shooters and and arcade style games. Um, I don't know if you ever played Ikaruga. Maybe Matt did. What okay. was it? Ikaruga. It was, a, uh, it was a. It was a shooter. Just a, a shmup, oh, yeah. shoot 'em up that came out for the GameCube. Um, oh, I got nothing. Sorry. Gotcha. Okay, so they they were they weren't super popular, but very popular in certain circles. And they came out with this game called Mischief Makers. And the only reason I I knew about it was I remember seeing it teased in one of the sizzle reels that you would get in those Nintendo Power videos that they would send every once in a while. Oh, hell yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And and mm-hmm. the only reason I I it looked I had no idea who Treasure was. I was you know eight. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I didn't have any Sega consoles, so I wasn't really a big Sega guy and barely played any Sonics at that point. Um, but I saw, I remember seeing like a 30 second demo of just the the 2.5D, like the really cool 3D effects, you know. And it's 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 very it's very cartoony. It's it's very anime inspired. Um, but there's a lot of like chunky 3D polygons that in 1997 looked really cool, but it looks like fucking trash today. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. And and basically the, the game is a platformer. It's a 2.5D platformer. You star as, or you play as Marina. Um, what is it? It's super, I lost it. Something super, oh, Ultra Intergalactic Cybot G, Marina Lightyear. I'm, I don't know why you didn't have that ready to go. <laughs> right, like. right. It just rolls off the tongue. Yeah, yeah it, it's kind of like if I were to compare it to another platformer, I'd probably compare it to Wario Land. 
Oh, oh weird. Okay. Yeah, because gotcha. you don't gotcha. really like fight anything. You you grab stuff and throw it at other things. Nice. So sure. and it, so it, I think that's probably the closest comparison. But uh, a lot of people hate this. This game is very notorious now as like a weird meta narrative because um every time you would grab something you would hear marina's one voice acting line say shake shake and that's like (laughs) yeah that's that's Mm -hmm. the only thing that people know about this game so you would just but the whole point of the game was you would grab anything and shake it so like to platform you would have to like hop from this this like platform and platform but you wouldn't hop on platforms you would grab them and then shake them and it would throw you to the next thing so you were constantly hearing shake 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 (laughs) um yeah so it's it's a weird it's a it's a fucking weird game Uh, so to answer your question matt do i recommend anyone play it while i had a really fun time playing it when i was 10 um much like most n64 games it just it it don't hold up you know it just there's no reason to play it it's just another platformer um a pretty middling platformer at that so uh so yeah that's mischief makers all right uh, well, I'll jump in here to close us out. I said a couple of games that I figured only I'd played here at the beginning with your nicknames. Um, ah, yeah, Swapfire gotcha. was a Wii U indie exclusive uh, that I actually paid into a Kickstarter for and then never got any rewards for. And oh, I'm still yeah, mad no. about it. Oh, um, nice. Chicken Shoot is a a shooting gallery game for the Wii where you, you guessed it, shoot chickens. And... Uh, <laughs> Cyber Tiger is a PS1 era, early 2000s Tiger Woods golf game. I wouldn't oh. have guessed that that's what it was. Right, that's I know. Not, it makes it better. Get, yeah. Um, <laughs> here is, here's the case art for that nightmare. <laughs> yeah, I've oh, seen that before. Yeah. Um, yeah. We'll, we'll try and remember to put that on the Instagram. But um, yeah, I have a whole bunch of games that I feel like only I have played because I am a notorious bargain bin hunter in a used game store, like hoarder. Um, I also had the last console that Sega ever made, the Sega Pico, and that weird educationally interactable tablet came with a lot of branded games that no one has played. But the game I want to talk about today is a absolute fever dream from Empire Interactive that came to the PlayStation 1, uh, Microsoft Windows, and the Game Boy Advance in 2000, a game called Sheep. (laughs) (laughs) Xbox wouldn't touch it. Uh, Well, this was pre-Xbox, and uh, Microsoft Windows had it. Uh, Oh, okay. Yeah, so Mm. I just want to, I have Sheep here with me, and I wanted to read you the back of the case for Sheep, because I think that'll do a lot of my explanation for me. Um, sheep, they've traveled millions of miles across the galaxies. Their mission was simple, pose as stupid creatures and study the habitat. Soon forgetting their mission, sheep preferred to enjoy the sunshine and wallow in the lush green pastures. Now it's time for them to return home. Your task is to guide the sheep back to their celestial ancestors, saving them from the perils of electric fences, shark-infested ice cream, and combine harvesters. It's not as easy as it sounds, especially when your sheep flock off in the other direction. Uh, is this um? Is this like Lemmings? Yes, it is. It feels okay. like exactly lemmings. like Lemmings. Exactly what? like Lemmings. Man, what? Okay, so at the time of the recording, we um we just got the PS5 big reveal video whatever and it was underwhelming and we won't get into it but one of the things they showed is um 
was there's a new Odd World, and I remember if you remember the oh. old old the original. I think yeah, it's the original old, Odd old, World. Old. Yeah. Before Abe's before, before Abe's Exodus. Yeah, that was the game. Was like you had a bunch of yeah. little guys that you had to get to the goal, and they're bringing it back. And I and I'm like, I was thinking like, what a weird like like spike in popularity. Like 1995, there was all kinds of these like lead the thing to the end of the the goal type of game. Clash of Clans. It's yeah the maybe. tower defense um, oh, fuck, mobile right. game popularity. Yeah. yeah, you're right. It's basically tower I mean, defense. You're right. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, and like, and I mean, I assume all of us played some form of Lemmings before. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a fun game. Yeah, it yeah. Sure and is. it's, but it's, it, it's, it's effectively it's just a different layer on a puzzle. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Sorry. Go, go ahead though, yeah. Matt. <laughs> no, you're fine. I mean, Sheep is basically Lemmings, but it reeks of 2K PS1. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's nightmare low polygon circular graphics. And its frame rate is exceptionally slow. And there's a weird storyline about sheeps being aliens or whatever. And there's an <laughs> evil doctor who uh, okay. uses genetically engineered cows as his like grunts. And so you're being chased by cows. It's a time. Um, but all of that said, it is a really fun game. And... As far as low polygon early PS1 or mid era PS1 games go, it doesn't look that terrible gameplay wise. I mean, the cutscenes are hot garbage, but gameplay wise, it looks okay uh, because it sort of sits in that two and a half D realm where you're playing with 3D three D sprites, but in a relatively two D landscape or pre rendered landscape. Uh, so it's not the worst to look at, and I had a good time playing it. I obviously I still have it, and it was like ninety nine cents out of a bargain bin. Um, it's it's pretty fun. If you find it, play it. If you don't find it, you don't need to look for it. It's <laughs> don't okay. Seek it's, it out. it's just lemmings. <laughs> There's a thousand um, other variants of that same game. Yeah, but you know it's fun, and it's like it's very much just a puzzle game. It's it's brainless. It is sort of like a tower defense game. All you are doing is herding sheep across whatever obstacles they put in front of you. Aren't are you a UFO? No. So there. Let me continue from the back of the box. Thank you very much. You're good. Choose from four hapless herders. Herd four bewildered breeds of sheep. Seven wacky worlds with twenty-eight flocktastic levels. Uh, there are four playable characters. One of them is Bo Peep. Uh, two of them are dogs, and <laughs> one of them is some other guy. Um, oh, and yeah, this came from Empire Interactive, which like went under in 2009, but put out some big games. Like Crazy Taxi was Empire. Oh. Um, the Flat Out series was Empire. Um, they did some Hot Wheels games. They did the Jackass branded game. And uh, there was a Jackass game. Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah, it's not good. Um, Sega Rally. Starsky and Hutch. Yeah, uh, they did Virtua Cop. They did a couple of games that are like, you know, they're there. They exist and people have played them. And Sheep is fine. I don't know. I, I didn't hate it. I would sit down and play it again. It's it's not anything more than a, a time kill, but it's fine. I kind of like it. And that's Sheep. <laughs> All right. Some real yeah. underwhelming titles here. Yeah. Uh, cool. So... 
now that we have all talked about some games that we feel like only we have played, I wanted to give a little more sustenance to this discussion and jumping off this point where we have all talked about games that I think all of us have said, at least in some capacity, like, hey, I mean, if you find this game, play it. Like, it's not a total nightmare and eye poison. Yeah. So I, I came up with this question and I, I want to jump into some discussion on it. With the rise in popularity of indie games over the last five years, I think there's an argument to be made that AAA does not necessarily equal good. So do games need to be popular or by discretion or by, I don't know, do games need to be popular to be good or do games need to come from major popular production companies to be good games? Absolutely not. No. Mm-hmm. Like, no. Yeah, I mean, the the thing the thing that comes to mind for me, I, I have two bullet points in my argument for this. And one would be that you... So having gone to a conference and watched a documentary over Earthbound that I was very high during, <laughs> Earthbound was incredibly underrated when it came out. Like, it just didn't hit the radar. It didn't get the backing. Um especially the original mother one, like didn't even launch in America. And so now though, like there's a huge cult following to earthbound. So I would say that a game does not need to be a triple a popular game to be good. Furthermore, there have been plenty of triple a games that have come out and, um, just been total bombs. And I'm trying to remember, what this game is death stranding being one that i could think of i had to type in norman reedus game to remember what the title of that game Um, was i would like to say that i've i've actually come around on death stranding and everything that you have not come around on the ups simulator no everything that i've heard about it makes it sound actually really good and it's it's i have no lie on my short list of games to play okay well we're gonna come back to this exact moment in the podcast later once you've played through it and you're going to be like, yeah, I love balancing packages as I run down the hill. It's good. So I'll, I'll take the, this torch from Todd before him yeah, and Andrew yours. get a, get in a fight over death stranding. I would, I will, I'll agree that no, um, a game does not need to be popular in a triple a title to be good. Obviously. Um, I think games like, um, hollow Knight and, um, Celeste have proven that like the most talked about games usually are these indie titles because they come out of seemingly nowhere and are incredible. The comparison I will make for the big franchise games, though, um, you don't you don't go to McDonald's or Starbucks for a good hamburger or a cup of coffee. Yeah, you go to McDonald's and Starbucks for a cup of coffee or hamburger that you know. <laughs> a hamburger you can trust. Yeah, yeah. it's con- <laughs> it's consistency and familiarity. Yeah, and yeah. and yeah. if you're you know if you're buying a Call of Duty. Or in Assassin's Creed in 2020, it's because you want a game, you aren't sure what game you want, you know these titles, and you know they've delivered a a more often than not positive experience, so you buy Call of Duty and you play it with your four friends again for a little while, until you've convinced yourself you got $60 worth out of it. The the last burger that they made for you was a pretty good burger. Yeah. You liked yeah. that burger. 
and you're like, hey, I'll trust them to make me another burger. Yeah, exactly. because I'm afraid to try any other burgers. Two, two responses to that. One, that's an excellent comparison. I totally agree. But two, that was a really good. You 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 said that very Walken esque. Like I was like <laughs> titles. <laughs> like, <laughs> you got titles. It was he was very. Uh, nobody can see what Kyle was doing, but it was very Walken esque. But yes, I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. Yeah, you know, you you buy a you you buy Call of Duty because you didn't read any reviews, but you found yourself in a GameStop, and you want to go home with a game today. Yeah, and more often than not, Call of Duty has been a positive experience in your life. But on the flip side, these AAA titles um, can absolutely deliver turds from time to time. Uh, my my go to example being. Um, Pokemon Sun and Ultra Sun and Moon, a a triple A title, um, the first Pokemon game I could not finish since mm. 1996. Oh, man, I haven't even finished the I haven't finished Vanilla Moon yet, let alone that yeah. game. But that that's a great. I mean, that's another that's a good example. I, that game came and went. Like I don't I don't I've never seen I've never heard anything about that game as soon as it released. And that's fine like game freak moved on they released sword and shield which is i think a step up from um the the sun and moon titles you know water off the back of a duck like they're unfazed by how poorly the last one did because they've got a they've got a deadline to hit and another one to come out and maybe this one will be better um that's kind of that's kind of where the franchise the big triple a franchises are in 2020 is like we just got to hit deadlines Hopefully we don't string like too many bad entries back to back and tank mm -hmm. our integrity. Another prime example, I mean, and, and it pains me to say, like Fallout seventy six. <laughs> I was waiting like, for that to come up. Yeah, man. And and the, and the thing is, like, even when it when it came out, like I've so for me, since I have a core group of friends that play it or played it, we really did enjoy playing multiplayer in the wasteland, and I think that uh bethesda and todd howard had found a way to like salvage a thing that kind of had a, a very rough launch but then they're like oh by the way we're gonna start a paid subscription now to give you the things that you actually wanted that we promised and since they announced that paid subscription back in october of 2019 i've played less than two hours like I just and that was after they announced the brand new DLC that included NPCs and it feels good for the two hours I played it. But I'm like, nope, on principle, I'm done mm -hmm. when they release the next fallout. If they come with their hat in their hand, apologizing for the sins that they've dumped upon us, maybe I'll try that one. But man, they they took a name, they took an idea and they just tripped and it was bad. They sufficient. They effectively tanked both of their best franchises with shitty, massively multiplayer online games. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but they took home a bunch of money doing it. Well, yeah, I mean they 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 did what they set out to do. I was gonna say, um, because in you know in this day and age now with with this industry, um, video games is so intertwined. Gamers gaming is so intertwined with the internet that I think games don't need to be popular to be good, but I think games need to be good to be popular. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You know, and and this and with with Twitch and with YouTube and and the myriad of podcasts like the one you all are listening to right now of people that are just constantly talking about games. It's an instant, you know, it's an instant feedback loop. And, uh, there's just, there's so many fucking games out there that, um, it is impossible to make any traction with a game, even if it's got Pokemon behind it. 
I, mm-hmm. I, you know, and like Kyle had a great example. Like, I dare you to find somebody who owns a copy of Ultra Sun or Ultra Moon, or, or just tell me, tell me anything about it. Like any, right. tell me anything right about it right now, because I, I sure as hell could, and I knew, I know that it released, but I think that's that's a sign of of popularity is is no longer a cause; it's an effect. Uh, yeah, I think that that's a really interesting point to make too, because there are so many indie games out there to go back to the burger example. Like you get a burger from McDonald's and you know, it's going to taste like soggy lettuce and black pepper. But if you're three hours from home and three hours from your destination and you're hungry, soggy lettuce and black pepper sounds great. Uh, But there's so many indie games out there that you're never guaranteed to bite the best burger. And I have played some indie games that have blown my socks off. I mean, like I think that, Shovel Knight and the whole Shovel Knight series is one of the best games that I've ever played. Easily. Mm-hmm. And Yacht Club, I think, is one of my new favorite development teams. And anything Yacht Club puts out, I'm going to be behind. But then there are other indie games that I've played and I've supported really hard that I really liked but weren't popular. And I was really, really curious why they weren't popular because I liked them so much. And you look back and it turns out it's because they weren't very good. And I think that (laughs) that's a really good point that you made, Andrew, like to go back to something I said earlier, Swap Fire was a game that was a Wii U exclusive that I loved. And me and the 15 other people in America that played their Wii U Mm -hmm. when Swap Fire came out four years after the Wii U's prime really, really enjoyed it. But there was no popularity for it. And I ended up paying a bunch of money into a Kickstarter and the Kickstarter went up in flames and they kind of took the money and ran. And when it comes to indie games, I think that's a hesitation that a lot of people have is like, I don't want to spend 15 or $20 on an indie game and get burnt and end up wasting my money when I know I could spend 30 or $40 on a triple A game and I might get burnt, but it's a lot less of a chance that it'll happen. Well, I think there's a, there's a, there's another element here too. It's, it's it's time. And, Mm -hmm. and if you're going to use the burger example, it's, it's comparing eating at Chipotle or eating at McDonald's versus spending two hours on Yelp to find the best local burger, the best taco place. Yeah. Yeah, The best taco place. And it's like, you can certainly do that and you're probably going to have a better experience, but that also means that you're going to spend two hours of your precious time. But I've got half an hour for lunch and I got to make a decision before lunch hits. Sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off, Kyle. Go ahead. No. Um, I didn't think of these games cause, um, they're in a separate like compartment in my brain, but I've I've definitely played a handful of indie card battlers because card battlers are my my crack. Um, that like you know they get an expansion in and the whole thing folds because no one else but me and mm-hmm. four other people and all the bots mm-hmm. they paid for <laughs> played this game. <laughs> That's very much a thing. I wanted to bring out the point. Because I, I, I can't think of an example in video games, but um, there is a th- another way games uh, things become popular. Um, my example, I'm thinking of more movies and TV shows. If you guys can think of a game that falls in this category, I'd love it. Movie, there, movies and TV shows do get popular now, not by being good anymore, but by being memeable. Um, and I think that is... Getting over it with Bennett Foddy. Getting over it with Bennett Foddy, yeah. Any of the rage quit games, mm-hmm. Quop. Oh Quop. yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's a, a very good example. Good. YouTube games, yeah, yeah. FNAF, like FNAF, is that game? Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, you're right. Um, so there, there is another, you know, games don't have to be good to be popular. They have to be memorable. And so like bad games can yeah. definitely meme their way into popularity. I think instead of be popular, I would, I would amend that to say stay popular. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Because a lot of those meme games, you're absolutely right. A lot of those meme games are, they come and go. Like, a lot of a YouTuber will get a million hits on looking at on on playing shovelware or on yes. on the Wii, but none of those games are gonna. But there's a reason why people still play Doki Doki Literature Club. Like, granted, it was memeable, but it's like a legitimately good experience. And yeah. I know no one except for Matt. Thank you, Matt, for <laughs> nodding and approval. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I need someone you. to, because um, Dan Salvato is like an actually like a pretty talented game designer, but. Um, comparing that to getting over it, like I think getting over Benny Fadi, no one's going to, no one's playing that now. Right. I was just going to say, I can't tell you the last time I saw any coverage of any stream playing getting over it. Like that's not, yeah. Like everyone has seen Markiplier play it. Mm -hmm. And the one guy who got like the farthest you could almost get and then plummet to his like fall in free fall yeah. for like eight <laughs> straight seconds as his eyes just lock onto the screen. Right. It's on every like watch people die inside yeah. compilation you've ever seen. Yep. Yeah. But like that was the point of the game though. Like yep. that was the whole point. It was supposed to be infuriating for those moments, which is exactly what we're talking about. For sure. So to move on from indie games of today, I think that that whole argument that games don't have to be triple A or necessarily popular out of the gate to be good games. I wanted to look backwards a little bit and ask, do you think there are games from our collective childhood that didn't get the credit they deserved or like is unknown games can be good, a totally modern concept? Uh, does, did that come to exist with time and experience? Could, indie or smaller production companies put out decent games i don't know pre-2006 um i'll start by like i'll back off for the start of this because i don't know what games i played in my childhood that were and weren't popular i had like a nintendo power subscription and a, and a game informer subscription and bought highly rated games in those but i don't know how popular those ended up being but i'll i will throw out golden sun deserved much more credit than it got Fuck than it yeah. ever got than it, really than it continues to get to this day um put isaac in smash there it is someone else go um i i like that I, I think there's a lot of relevancy in comparing this industry and the growth of this industry to others and and i you know in similar to like the hamburger comparison I just thought of the difference of of playing games in the 90s, like renting games for my Super Nintendo versus finding a game on my Switch to play now. I compare that to like, it's like when you were a kid and you were just watching TV. You didn't watch TV to watch TV. You watched, you didn't go for a certain show. You just watched what was, whatever was on. Yep. Right. Right. So it was like, mm -hmm. and, and that, you know, when you're being drip fed, when you're, when companies are telling you, hey, here is the new blank, you're just like, cool, that's what's, I'm going to play that. Or like you go to a game store and it's like, yeah, that that looks fine. Like it didn't matter. It was like that's yeah. what that's what's available. Like that's what you know. Atlas is telling me. Atlas is using their marketing dollars to tell me to buy Arrow the Acrobat because it looks like Mario. Great. Uh, like I'm yep. done. Yeah. But but now it's more like Netflix where you have too many options and you will probably spend more time 
buying a game than you actually will playing it. I mean, I have so many games <laughs> that I've never opened because I, I can't... The sheer thought of spending 60 hours to play that game that I bought, Yeah, I've already had the experience in, in researching it to buy it. Like, yep. that was the game. I would also go to add that I, like, kind of, kind of to part of what Andrew just said, back in the 90s, especially, like, the early 90s, I just don't think people... Obviously, people were not making games like they're making them now. Like, they did not have the the availability of the tools to do that sort of thing. Sure. And and I know this because, like, after listening to enough, like, documentary work of what Nintendo was doing in the early 90s, I mean, I also subscribed to Nintendo Power, and they always had, like, the 800 numbers you could call to get cheats and codes and tips. Yeah. And it was literally someone who's just been playing the game a month longer than you. Yep. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yep. It, was, exactly. it was literally it like... It was someone like, whose job it was to to play the game for eight hours yeah. a day so they could answer these they're questions. Like, they're like, hey, 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 Matt, uh, this game is coming out in two weeks. Play it. <laughs> because when people call asking for how to beat the boss, you're going to tell them. Like... That was what it was. Mm -hmm. And so obviously, like, I don't know. I don't, I get that they were still doing very cool things and making video games and things are exciting that way. But like, I will not give too much credit to 1995 for pretending that like they were on the cutting edge of like people at home building these excellent games. It, It was starting, but it just wasn't there yet. Andrew made the great point of like, we didn't watch, you didn't watch a show because you loved that show in 1995. You watched the show because the TV was on and your parents mm-hmm. weren't watching it at the time. So you yeah. you had to like whatever was on TV. Similarly, you had to like whatever game you brought home from the store that that month. Like yeah. whatever yeah. game, whatever game that was on the shelf at that store because it had been placed on the shelf. And if store. you had bought a a turd of a game, you were stuck with it. Um, yeah. Because there was nothing to tell you beforehand. All you had to go <laughs> off of was the box art, and maybe the if the clerk at the the desk had like a recommendation for you. But if you brought home a bad game, you better learn to like that bad game. Because your other option is playing the games you're all tired of already. Like there is no e store. You can't just like download something else. You're stuck yeah. with you're stuck with Rugrats great adventure or whatever was that the playstation ver- ver- game I, I, was, I was i played it if it was i don't know i was thinking <laughs> there of was the, a ghost level that was scary that as shit ass the playstation <laughs> one i'm i'm thinking of my my brother and i got to pick he, my brother got to pick the game one month he picked a rugrats game boy game and it was not good <laughs> oh i had i had a game boy a rugrats game boy color game and it, it was it was like well i think there was that was the other thing about like games of that era too and and I think we're all we're all speaking strictly of Super Nintendo, but I, I'd like I'm curious to hear Matt's perspective because um, I think the GameCube era had a lot more experimentation going on because like Super Nintendo is 90% platformers, like that's that's what it was. Yeah, you know, yeah. it was like platformers or Street Fighter clones, like that was it. Yeah, uh, it was platformers, Street Fighter clones, and then like. Chrono Trigger yeah. and Super Mario RPG. And well, like, whatever the fucking amazing work that Squaresoft was doing, but nobody else was yeah. doing that. You know, like it yeah. was all yeah. just right. it was all just like, let's put this popular character and have them find ten of one item and then go on to the next level. Like that's 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 what it was. And I did most of my game buying in that GameCube era as well, except I was I was only buying games that got like an eight or higher in Nintendo Power or Game Informer. Like I wasn't right. taking risks exactly. at that point on weird games yeah matt what's your what's your take 
Yeah, so I think it's it's interesting for a couple of reasons because for one, I bought a ton of games in the GameCube era, obviously, but my childhood or what I consider my childhood console was an N64 because mm. um, I had an N64 from pretty much the day it was released. Uh, and I played a lot of N64 games like Hydro Thunder and Micro Machines oh, and fuck. Extreme G. <laughs> Hydro Thunder like, fucks. Dude, I, I played the shit out of Hydro Thunder at the arcade in the Isoplex. That is a reference yeah. for three people, but... Um, I played a go. lot of I played a lot of Hydro Thunder at my local BW3s. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, nice. so. yeah. So like, I have all of these games that I loved growing up, and I, you know, if I look back, I don't know that they were necessarily good or bad, uh, but I loved them. And I think the most interesting change in gaming has been the accessibility of the opinions of others. Because like when I was a kid. If a game looked cool, I bought it. And if I liked it, I liked it. And nobody told me how I should feel about it. And now the first thing that pops up when you click on a Steam page is the top review. And everybody is is governing. Well, not everybody. I don't want to generalize. But I would say most people are governing a lot of their games purchases by reviews and opinions and things like that. And, And there's not necessarily anything wrong with that. But there are a lot of games that I've played that are probably bad. Uh, there was one called Amazing Island for the GameCube that I liked a lot. Um, I'm trying to, like, look over my shoulder. I mean, to go back to a previous debate this episode, Blood Wake is a perfect example. <laughs> Blood Wake uh, is a good example. Yeah, so, like, there are all of these games that I loved because I liked playing them or I liked playing them with my friends or I had a good experience with them, and I don't know if they were good or bad, uh, but I really liked them. And then the other perspective I have on this is that I've become a pretty big and pretty big asterisk. I work a nearly minimum wage job, so I don't have a ton of money to spend on this hobby, but a retro games collector. And so I have a whole cabinet of games that I've bought out of a bargain bin just because it came out on the N64 and I want to have it. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) so I've ended up with a lot of games that I've played like sheep and I've said, you know, this is fun and this is a nice little time capsule. I don't know that I'm going to pick it up again, but I would, I would play it. Uh, So that's, That's, I guess, my perspective is I don't know that in our childhoods in pre like 2006 going from NES to to early GameCube, you can necessarily say unknown games or games from smaller production companies were definitively good or definitively bad. I think that those games are games that have a lot more nostalgia wrapped around them and a lot more personal opinion wrapped around them. Because you got Nintendo Power once a month or Game Informer once a month. And other than that, it was just asking your neighbors what they had or going over to your PlayStation's friend's house. If you were lucky enough to have a computer, there were some reviews out there, but not a bajillion reviews for every game ever released ever yeah. like waiting for the dial-up connection to make game faqs work yeah and yeah. scrolling well, through game faqs yeah so you don't call don't it game facts i thought everyone oh i've always it called it game facts oh, yeah 100 okay. yeah, yeah, percent that's him making sure you're not a cop yep yeah <laughs> yeah no it's, it's defo game facts i just that joke has different connotation in june of 2020 <laughs> it, it oh, sure yeah, does. yeah. yeah. feels mm. bad yeah. never mind um yeah so i don't know i guess that's That's my opinion. And then the other thing, my last point on that is like, hell, in 1995, Nintendo had the money to make games. Nobody else had the money to make games. Mm -hmm. And making games was hard and expensive. It's not like 
2020 when the Nintendo Switch dev kit is open source and Steam Greenlight exists. Like, yeah, you can pirate, um, oh, like um, Unreal Engine you 4. Can, no. You can get yeah. Unity for free. I mean, yeah, you, you, yeah. yeah, right. Uh, and like VR chat and, and mm-hmm. uh, even what the hell's the game with the blocks and the building and things? Minecraft, Minecraft. Minecraft? Um, yeah, thank you. <laughs> you sound uh, like a thousand years old. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll take sounding like a thousand years old over zero years old, which is Fair how enough. I usually sound on this show. So, uh, But yeah, to move on into the last couple points that I have for this discussion today, uh, are there any other unknown games that you would recommend people seek out to play, whether they are modern or retro or mobile or what have you? And where do you recommend people find undiscovered games? I like this question, the way you've worded it, because it's almost guaranteed to just draw out, I played this game from all our listeners. (laughs) That's not an unknown game. I played it for years. But um, uh, my two kind of sleeper games that I don't see a lot about that I've really enjoyed, one is I, I am just sinking all of my extra time right now into dead cells the yeah you are it shows up every time <laughs> yep, that yeah. I'm, I'm playing animal i Crossing. need you, i need your help in getting i can't crack dead cells like i've tried three or four times i can't get into it i mean it's it's just it's just a mindless metroidvania for me like it's yeah. just like what what goodies am i gonna get i'm i've i've learned i'm a sucker for like that that whatever genre is roguelike well, roguelike, but the random, specifically the randomly generated maps every time. Oh, yeah, it's roguelike. Um, so That's it's, roguelike. Okay. The roguelike games where, like, the map's just different every time. You're not... It's a new experience every time. Um, so I'm really enjoying Dead Cells. Um, Into the Breach is another one. Into the Breach is very, very good. What is that? I don't know what that is. It's a, um, like, an Advanced Wars style game, except um, the the conflicts are randomly generated every time um there's you know a set of goals you're trying to hit and if you don't hit it it just kind of like you didn't succeed the mission and it pulls you back out and then and, and then you you queue up another one and it it's like it didn't matter but um hey why haven't we gotten advance wars for uh switch yet wouldn't uh, that just like perfectly make sense they haven't made any since the that the ds era all right just asking for a friend they did one for the DS that they added like RPG elements to, and like you would level up and like try and keep your units making it closer to Fire Emblem, and gotcha. it tanked. And there hasn't been a Advance Wars since. There is a game from is it from the same company or is it a, just an Advance Wars knockoff War Groove? It is a it is a knockoff. It is a a an indie game. An in homage. The, an homage. Thank you. Okay. Um, so I've heard Wargroove scratches the same Advanced Wars itch, but I've also not played mm-hmm. it myself to vouch for it. Advanced uh, Wars but... is intelligence systems, so they, they just do so much shit that they, I'm sure they just moved on. Cause gotcha. they, oh yeah, cause they're, they're focusing on Fire Emblem. That's, that's why. So, um, Into the Breach is cheap and a good thing. Um, I also will rec, I will throw out my recommendation for the, the digital card game Eternal. It's free to play. It's more free to play than any other digital card game I've found um, in so much that I've not spent a dime on it and have had three um, competitive decks 
at three different points in playing. Like I've taken breaks and come back. It's that's not continuous play that I've been able to keep up. I've like jumped back in a few times and just like, oops, I've got a competitive deck again. And as far as for how to find them, um, I look on Steam. I look on the Nintendo eShop. I see what's on sale, and if if it's under the amount of money I'm willing to spend when I've got that that itch, I buy it and see what it's like. Um, Steam and the Nintendo eShop are the Nintendo eShop. The Switch has been incredible for my enjoyment of indie games. So I, mm-hmm. if you've got a Switch. Find some look look through the eShop and just take a risk on something that's under ten or fifteen bucks because odds are it's pretty decent. I'll give you I'll give you four fast ones. So going off what Kyle just said, um, I think it tech probably classifies itself as indie. Um, I had talked about it earlier, Turmoil on the Switch right now, part of the summer sale. Um, just very very fun. Kind of fits in that category that that Kyle was just talking about. The three in order of the ones you've probably played, uh, throwing it back to Sega, Earthworm Jim was a oh, game I played Earthworm, on. Earthworm Jim uh, is so good. Sega Game Gear, just a ton of fun. Just stupid fun. Highly suggest that. Uh, the other one that I would say is a is a like a staple of growing up on uh, the Sega Genesis as well is Toe Jam and Earl Panic on Funkatron. Yeah. Mm, if yeah, you have not that. played... Yeah, Tojim and Earl Panic on Funkatron. The music itself is so funky. It's so good. And the whole like game is just very fun. It's also very different than what the original Tojim and Earl game was. And then the one I'm going to pull is the deep cut. I think it was the last game I played on GameCube before I moved on from that system. Uh, Cubivore. It was oh, a game that was built Cubivore. to look like Minecraft. And you controlled an animal that was made up of, uh, I guess, like, 2d cubes like squares that you would level up by getting another cube added onto your square and it would make different animals um so you'd basically evolve by adding another cube onto your animal which would allow you to have like wings or claws or better legs and it was it, it was basically a puzzler that every level could be beaten and if you beat the bosses in a certain level you'd get like the or a certain uh order you'd get like the good ending for that level but it was a lot of fun um, and where are you going to get those? The last three? Good luck. I don't know. <laughs> but you, you at me if you find a way to to easily access Todd's Cubivore. Attic. Yeah. If you if you can find an easy way to access Cubivore in 2020 at Debate This Cast. Hit us up. Um, I'll I'll quickly. I mean, I to be honest, I you know the the biggest obstacle. I've said this before in the show. The biggest obstacle for me in playing games. Right now, as a 32-year-old, is is not necessarily money. I mean, I'm I'm not rich by any stretch of the imagination, but um, I it's much more time. You know, time is just mm-hmm. and yeah. and the reason why I don't play a lot of undiscovered games is it's not even a, taking a risk for me. It's like I'll spend five dollars on a game that I don't know if it's good, but I don't want to spend twenty to twenty hours playing a game that I don't like. You know, so and it's mm-hmm. it's kind of that Netflix uh, example. It's like I already pay for Netflix, but do I really want to spend, get emotionally invested in in a new thing that I don't know if I'm going to like <laughs> for you know? Netflix to cancel after a cliffhanger in right. season two? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so the 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 most like I guess niche games or the most um, unknown games are are really I mean indie games that I think a lot of people have heard of. Like they're 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 pretty mainstay indie games. 
because again, you know, I, I want to play the things that I know that, that I have heard of and that I know people like, um, but you know, that said, um, really, really high praise for, um, enter the gungeon. I've is my dead cells. Um, which is, I think Kyle, it's, it's a very similar style. It's just a shooter version of dead cells, but it's, it's roguelike. I've almost pulled the trigger, uh, many times on enter the gungeon, no pun intended. Um, Mm. and only have stopped because I fear it's too similar to dead cells. It certainly is. I mean, binding of Isaac, enter the gungeon, like, Dead cells. Pick one roguelike and just and just Im- immerse yourself in it. Yep. You know, another good one. If you like Castlevania, uh, Bloodstained, the Bloodstained series is really good. Oh. There, there's this whole like subgenre of similar to Wargroove, like games that are made in in the spirit of older classic games. So Bloodstained, I think there's two or three of them out there. Um, Curse of the Moon is the first one. They did a Kickstarter for a, a newer one, and it got a lot of um, it got a lot of weird internet fame for a few days because they basically like redid the entire game because um, oh. they they did a Kickstarter trailer. It looked like trash, and they then people were like, "Hey, I paid you money for this," and they're like, "Yeah, sorry." Um, <laughs> the Bloodstain's pretty good. It's got that old Castlevania feel. Um, Thimbleweed Park. Thimbleweed Park is a, uh, a point and click adventure adventure game in the style of Monkey Island. But the vibe is very much uh, Twin Peaks. Oh, okay. The Messenger was a game um, that I really, really liked. It was one, one of my favorite indie games of last year. Um, it's kind of, it's very similar to Ninja Gaiden, uh, but there's like a neat time travel mechanic. And uh, and then, I mean, you've anyone who listens to this show has heard my stupid uh, 30-second promo of Hollow Knight, which again, like, Hollow Knight is in Celeste level of like everybody has heard of Hollow Knight, but right. I just mm-hmm. want to take this time to say Hollow Knight is one of my favorite fucking games of all time, and you have to. And if you haven't, if you have any interest in a Metroidvania or or platforming or action advent two D action adventure, you need to play Hollow Knight because it's so good. It's it's music also slaps. Yeah, music is, yeah. is yeah. excellent. I mean, it's been three years since I played, and I still listen to the OST. Thimbleweed Park came up when I was researching for whenever I talked about Mist. Oh um, yeah, that was compared that tracks. compared positively to Mist. Yeah, well, I if, if you didn't guess it, I've got a bunch, um, and I've been writing them down so I don't remember or so I didn't forget any of them. But a lot of mine are actually on older consoles. So if you're somebody like me who's still holding on to a a console that's collecting dust somewhere, this might be worth you pulling it out for if if you have it or find it. Going from newest back on the Wii U, there's a game called Tank Tank Tank. Uh, which is really, really great. I've heard um, great things about Tank, Tank, Tank. Yeah, it's actually a port of a Japanese arcade game, and it's just a lot of fun. It's like a, a tank battle arena, and it uses the the Wii U gamepad camera so that you can take a picture of your face to use as your player icon. And it's just, <laughs> Good, yes. Yeah, it's, it's very goofy and fun. I like it a lot. My favorite um, anime opening ever. Yeah, I said newest to oldest but i forgot i had one for the switch it's called revenge of the bird king uh like i said (laughs) that was an always sunny episode i'm pretty sure (laughs) (laughs) Uh, like i said a little bit earlier i think this was off recording though i went on this mission where anytime i logged on to the nintendo e-store if i saw a game for under 10 cents i bought it no matter what no questions asked i bought it and that filled up my memory card with some absolute trash and also helped me find Revenge of the Bird King, which is like a super difficult Metroidvania platformer. Mm. Um, that's 
I, I think that it's a sequel to something that I haven't played. Probably, I don't know, the story of the Bird King. And <laughs> Legend of the Bird King. <laughs> it's really hard. Uh, it's been Someone's my yelling at their computer, at their um, iPhone right now. The real sequel. Yeah. Prequel. But it, it's a fun one. I liked that a lot. Um, I had a couple on GameCube. Rampage Total Destruction, which mm, is yep. mm. a remake of the arcade Rampage game. And then has a port of all of the original arcade games as bonus content. And oh, cool. Rampage is one of my favorite game series ever. I really like it. So that one's great. Uh, SSX on tour, which was the final sequel to the SSX snowboarding series. Most people dropped off after Tricky because Tricky was the last good one. And then they made SSX on tour, which was like totally rebranded and reskinned and was very very good i don't know if tricky was the last good one but that tricky was the last one to come out when people cared about snowboarding as much as mm-hmm. they did other yeah um, it, it came out at the right sports. time <laughs> well and of course like the headlining song yeah. of like mm-hmm. tricky in yeah like you can't you hear it and you see it in your mind yeah right yeah. now yeah. um matt sidebar <laughs> sidebar um <laughs> you no. should you sh- I recommend you look up if you haven't already watch a speed run of SSX Tricky. It's buck wild. Who's who's did it? Who was uh, it? I don't remember the streamer, but I I watched it. I think it was part of an EGDQ years past. Got it. Um, I'll have to. Check very that very out. good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Kyle, to answer your earlier question of I don't know if SSX Tricky was the last good one. SSX three is trash. Tricky was the last okay. good one until on yeah. tour. Well, um, sure. That's what I've heard too. Yeah. Yeah, but on tour was like. They aged it up. They got rid of a lot of the like, oh, it's a, a video game. And it was more of a Tony Hawk underground feel. Gotcha. Uh, and it's it was really, really good. Um, yeah, I think those are all of my console ones. A couple of digital ones. Oh, and I, I put Shovel Knight down because if you somehow missed out on Shovel Knight, much like everybody said with like... Go play Shovel Celeste Knight. And Hollow Knight. Yeah, like, go go play, just, like stop listening to this fucking podcast <laughs> and go play Shovel Knight. What, what's the matter with you? It fucking rules. Play it. If you can't afford it, you can cancel your Patreon. We, we yeah, approve we'll, to we'll, go play We'll it. understand. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a couple of other ones. Inside was really, really good. Uh, it's sort of a story game. Um, and I, I think that one was from a bigger company. I don't remember who put out Inside. It, it was... Oh, fuck. Um, it's, it's the second in that series of... It's in my head and not in words... I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm out on this one. Matt, while he looks for that, did you, being a fan of um, digital pinball games, or pinball in general, did you play Metroid Pinball on the DS? 3DS? I did not play Metroid Pinball. I Limbo. didn't have a 3DS. Limbo. Oh, that's Limbo. Limbo. Fuck. Limbo. Yeah. Sorry, um, I'm back. Yeah, Kyle, no, I didn't play Metroid Pinball. Um, and back to inside real quick. Inside is out by Limbo, and it's really good. It's a story platformer. Um, it's cool. It's it's very, like, sci-fi macabre, and I liked it a lot. Uh, a game from, actually, local to Columbus developers that just came out on Steam a while ago. It's The Pedestrian from Skookum Arts. Uh, it's, I think, one of the most unique and interesting puzzle platformers to come out in the last 10 years. Um, it didn't get a lot of traction cause it got released way, way late, but it's a lot of fun. And if you're looking for a like 10 hour puzzle platformer, uh, hmm. the pedestrian is very much worth it. And my last one is a game 
from uh, that, that you can find online. I originally found on addictinggames.com, but I've said before that I am a platform lover. And one of my favorite platformers of all time is called I Loved Her, But She Was a Zombie. Uh, and it's just a really fun oh, Flash platformer. I have played huh. that one. That's very fun. Yeah, if you want to know the kind of like platforming games I like, uh, simple Flash platformers and puzzle platformers are my shit. And I Loved Her, But She Was a Zombie is very good. The, the last question was the, where do you recommend people find undiscovered games? I'll be the nerd and say, support your local used game store. Yep. Yeah, um, for sure. Yeah, I have a bunch here in Columbus that I love. Uh, we've talked about on this podcast a couple of times that I used to be on a YouTube Let's Play channel. And all I did was go around and use that as my excuse to spend money on games out of bargain bins and from used game stores. And I had a lot of fun with it and found yep. some really cool stuff. So I still I still love the your theme, your loose theme was um, golf games. Hell yeah, it was. That's <laughs> so good. Yeah. It was a silly thing that we did, but it gave me an excuse to like stress by used games at game stores and hot damn if that <laughs> didn't linings. solve my mental health for a long time uh so find yourself a local game store i promise you there's one within a 15 minute drive and go check out what they have um it's super worth it i bought a super nintendo for ten dollars so I, for I forgot to answer that part of the question but my answer to that is in the in the digital world um itch.io or itch.io however you want to say uh, that yeah itch.io um, yeah, itch.io is just it's it's weird to say that out loud, but that's what I say in my I I I say in my head every time. Um, they do a lot of really good bundles, and it's not just hmm. Celeste and Gone Home. It's it's stuff <laughs> that you haven't heard of that things that you would take at risk on. Um, but they do a lot of bundles where like like right now actually at the time of this recording they're doing a massive um, bundle in support of Black Lives Matter. It's like five bucks for oh, cool. twenty five to thirty freaking games. It's insane. And oh, wow. and Celeste is on there, so pay five bucks to play Celeste. Like it's great, it's so good. Yeah, not to not to correct you, I just pulled up the headline, yeah. but you can buy a thousand games sure. for five dollars from yeah. Ichigo. <laughs> right. Close, a thousand, missed it by that right, much. Yeah, yeah, exactly. A thousand ten cent games. Um, and also, uh, I don't dabble in too much, but a lot of people seem to like GOG, um, GOG dot com, mm -hmm. mm -hmm. which is their big thing is DRM free games. Which I've never had a huge problem with DRM, but I know a lot of people try to avoid it. So that's a that's a really good resource too. Yeah, I would throw Game Jolt out there too. I think a lot of indie games still pop their way over to Game Jolt. Um, okay. Yeah. So another place to check. But that's all I have. Do you guys have any other thoughts to throw out or any other? unknown hidden gems you might have forgotten about um have you ever heard of a game called final fantasy 14 stop it <laughs> get the it, hell out i i realize that it doesn't fall into the realm of like unknown games but i still think that like my earliest times on super nintendo all of my favorite games except for maybe donkey kong country 3 were bought knowing nothing about them yep. so like i guess that is to say like that is the purest joy that I'll never mm -hmm. be able to get back as an adult now. Like not knowing what Super Mario RPG was, except like it's Mario and it looks way different to find out that that is like my favorite game of all time is is a type of it's like the first time you watch Breaking Bad. You're never going to get that again. Yeah. <laughs> Some somewhere in my parents house unless Derek has cashed them in for game store credit. There is a stack of Game Boy Color and Game Boy Advance games that was was bought on that same like we did all our chores and got did our homework so we earned a game this month 
let's go to the store and pick one out based on nothing except the box art. And yep. there's a stack of those crammed in a closet somewhere. So what a, what a wholesome sentiment. Chase that, chase that feeling, everyone. Cha- yeah. Please, please do. Please go, <laughs> go buy a five dollar game because because the box art looks. Oh crazy. shit! I just remembered that I bought Echo the Dolphin. <laughs> <laughs> you did. <laughs> you bought uh, Echo the Dolphin on Steam based right. on based on Matt's Aquaman reskinning of it. That's right. Maybe that's what I'll do tonight. Yeah, check out twitch.tv slash debate this cast. Well, tonight we're going to laugh at Todd as he awkwards his way through the I did not of, agree to of this. Overwatch. Todd, shut Ooh, up. We're doing you're, it. You're we're going to stream Overwatch it. Tonight. Right on. <laughs> All right. I think that's a perfect way to end this sidebar. So thanks for listening in to another debate this sidebar. Follow along with the argument on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at debate this cast. And check out our website at debatethiscast.com. And in case you haven't heard about it yet, we started a Patreon. Unknown, undiscovered games are the exact kind of things we talk about in our Discord every day. So if this conversation tickled your fancy, you can continue to be digitally tickled for the low, low price of $2 a month. (laughs) And for $5 a month, Matt will never say um, digitally tickled ever again. Uh, That's worth it. For $10 a month, Matt will tickle you with his digits. I cannot promise either of those things, at least until a coronavirus vaccine comes out. You can also pledge a little more and get some tasty bonus DT exclamation point content. And one more request, if you like what you hear, please leave us a review in your podcast app of choice. That's the sort of thing that really helps us be discovered by new listeners. And as global domination is our one true goal, that will be incredibly helpful. Until next time, I'm Matt Cole. I'm Kyle. Debate this cat. Harper. I'm Todd. The only thing that'll save 2020 is a real Super Mario RPG sequel. Thomas. Uh, I'm Andrew, now accepting applications for a Final Fantasy flavor text in the form of an HBO miniseries. Henderson. (laughs) (laughs) And we're saying thanks for debating with us. And if you think we're wrong, then you can come fight us behind the swing sets, nerds. Well, that was wholesome. (laughs) 